for joining us today on Project Redemption. I am here with a new Redemption Press author, Guy Powell, and we're going to be talking today about his new book, The Only Witness, A History of the Shroud of Turin, a new novel that is hitting the streets, and we are super excited to share it with you today. So, First of all, Guy, thanks for being with us today. It's a delight to have you on the show. Thank you, Athena. And uh, it's been so great working with you guys. I really found it very helpful and enlightening and really a big part of the success that uh, hopefully will come as the book gets out there. Amen. Well, I would love for those who are tuning in today to just know a little bit more about the author of the book. First of all, I would just love to have you share Kind of that game-changing moment where God really took over in your life. What did that look like? How did it affect you? How did it change you? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Well, I grew up in a in a Christian household. My mom, not quite my dad, but my mom, you know, took us to church every Sunday, and my dad, not quite so much. He was out golfing, and so uh, we kind of had an excuse as to, you know, why we may not have wanted to be there. Then when I graduated from college, well, actually, I guess it was more high school. It kind of fell away from uh, from religion, as, it, as, uh, as one might say. Uh, I would go to church with my mom and our family for Christmas and Easter, but, uh, you know, then really didn't didn't think about going there, you know, any other time. Then we got married and uh, my wife, also a very good Christian, and she was much more of a devout Christian than I was. And she said, Guy, if we're going to have a baby, then you have to you know, make sure that you bring him up in a church. And she said, it's up to you. And even though obviously she was a big part of that, we went out church shopping, so to speak. And, and that church shopping and then the, the birth of our son and, and, uh, and everything, that is really what did it. You know, clearly God was nudging me and nudging me, and I was nudging back and not letting him push me, I guess. And finally, he pushed me in the right direction. And and it was really my son, you know, the birth of my son. And then I realized that, hey, this is the right thing to do and never really look back. And it's been, you know, a wonderful experience. I just wish I had learned about it or been nudged or followed that nudge a little bit earlier. Yeah. Isn't it always that way? It's like, what was I thinking? <laughs> but uh, sometimes it just takes longer for him to get our attention. And boy, nothing like the birth of a child and that responsibility and that uh, just the wonder involved in having that child that, wow, kind of changes our perspective. Yeah. You know, we've all in our Christian walks had moments where whether it's a light and momentary affliction or some major suffering where we just go through things that how could God do anything with this? How could he bring good out of this? It just doesn't even seem possible, especially when it's a painful time. And I always love to just hear, um, you know, we all have lots of those moments. So what is one moment in your life where, you couldn't see how God could possibly bring something good out of something that happened that just uh, didn't even make sense and didn't seem like it was redeemable. Tell us about that time in your life. Yeah, certainly. I, I think probably the the biggest one was uh, as my mother grew older and uh, and she was definitely starting to 
reach that time when you know a, a, a very important decision had to be made as to you know what the next steps were for her journey. That was when you know it, it was so comforting to have God there to be able to you know to pray with and talk to and be able to reach and, and receive solace and not necessarily uh, grief, but to receive solace that yes, things are going to go well. And that even after she passes, we do know that she is going to be with us for certain and that she's going to be looking down on us and, and, you know, and making things to, uh, and uh, making it just easier for us that she is there and she was there and, and we are the product of, of her and, and what uh, what she did, and what God did then for her, and and then what what God did for us as we went through her transition. Well, and grief is a tricky thing because even when we know the person went to heaven and they're gonna we're gonna see him again, it's still hard to process the pain of not having them around anymore, not having that interaction, all the things that just cause us pain. But it seems like God will use that really to refine us and make us more into his image as we just kind of embrace it. And it sounds like that's where he was leading you in that time of solace and comfort that, you know, something that is hard for a lot of people was much easier seems much easier for you because of that assurance. That is so true. And, you know, lean on that as as you're going through the passing. And it was kind of tough because the towards the end of her life, maybe the last she and I would go to church together. And so we would always be together. She and I were in the choir together. We would be experiencing, you know, God and, and, and what he had in store for us uh, every Sunday. And so we really, you know, we got to know each other again after you kind of move out of the house, it kind of falls away. And then this was a way to, to get the relationship rebuilt. And, and then when she was gone, it was kind of like, uh, well, now I am now me and my brothers, we're now the oldest generation in our family. And now we're kind of leading the pack. And it was, it was a transition that it had to, you know, I had to really think about and pray on and, and really contemplate as to what what made the most sense there and you know how to how to take the next steps and and not let grief take over but to let to let god take over mm, that's good not let grief take over but to let god take over how did you have the idea of the novel the only witness a history of the shroud of turin yeah thank you it, this was another nudge and, uh, and I don't know, I probably didn't realize it at the time, but uh, my brother, he came across this book on the Shroud, and it was a history book. And as a history book, it basically said in 1356, this happened, and in 1357, this happened, and in 1358, this happened, blah, 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 blah. And I hate to say it, I enjoyed reading it, but it was hard, but it was just fascinating to read that. And I said, you know somebody ought to turn this into a novel and make it so that somebody could read it. And that was God's nudge on me. That's what I did. And that weekend, and I hate to say it was 20 years ago, uh, roughly, that weekend, I wrote the, the first chapter. Unfortunately, life got in the way, the kids got in the way, this got in the way, that got in the way. And I let it sit there for so long. And every time I'd be doing something on the weekend, I says, I got to get back to that book. 
And finally, when COVID first hit, I guess God nudged me again. And he said, start writing that book. And so I did. And so it took me probably about a year and a half to two years, uh, you know, every weekend and nights and whatever to to really get that written and get it nailed down as to exactly how I wanted to do it. And it was it was my first novel. So I had to learn how to do that and spend a lot of time, uh, you know, how to do dialogue, how to do this. But it, I think it was really 20 years ago when God finally nudged me, he said, guy, take that book and make it so other people can actually read about this image of Christ, the burial cloth of Christ, and so that they can read it and potentially use it as to win over and bring over one, just one person. I keep saying, I just want to bring over one person to Christ. It doesn't matter how or who or what, but I, my goal with that book now is I just want to bring over one person to Christ. Obviously, I'd like to get more. When I wrote the novel, that also meant that I needed to write it. Certainly, there's Christian underpinnings throughout. There's all kinds of faith and, you know, biblical, whatever. But I needed to write it so that somebody that might not want to read necessarily a Christian book, but wants to read a novel and, and, and then learn about Christ, I wanted to write it in that fashion so that they could, you know, hopefully, you know, want to learn more. And in that asking to, I want to learn more, the sentence that says, I want to learn more about Christ. And so hopefully this will, will get us there. And, and that's kind of what, what the impetus was. And I think it was that, that first nudge 20 years ago that God put, planted that seed for me and, and got me writing. Well, I love that it was just, you know, the, the just the facts, ma'am. You know, first this happened, <laughs> then this happened, then the just dry history, not a lot of, you know, really bringing life to it. And so just the idea of you being able to, for, for God to plant the seed and for you to be able to have the vision that, okay, I can create a story around this to make it engaging and compelling and uh, something that an unbeliever would want to read just because there's a dynamic story there. So you had the idea to write it. How did you develop the characters and the the storyline that would weave this true story and history into a novel. Yeah, and that was that was the hardest part, and that was, and I still get some criticism about that. the The story is so we have the resurrection, and we have then Jesus coming down from the cross, Jesus then being wrapped in a cloth, Jesus then being buried in the tomb, and then Jesus rising again. What happened to that cloth? And the cloth is a is a is a is not a, not a magical cloth, but a the cloth is a unique cloth in that at least the uh, me as a as an authenticist for the uh, for the shroud believe that his image then was imparted onto that cloth. So here we have this burial cloth. It's a linen cloth, and it has a picture basically of him front and back. That's kind of the the beginning of the story. Now the problem that I had was that I wanted to write a story of the history going 2000 years. So, all right, well, I have a story that takes place around 33 AD. And then, uh, well, what happened in 500 AD? And what happened in 600 AD, 900 AD, 1200 AD, et cetera, et cetera. And so then what it became was a series of short stories that had to then stretch over 2000 years up to up till modern times. 
and so normally in a book you'd have one one primary carrot character you'd have an antagonist and uh, but in this one you don't really have human characters necessarily of course i do but the main character then is the shroud it is the shroud it's not a not a human it doesn't have emotion with it so i ended up actually having to write 13 short stories and then I also had to weave in a couple of things that I thought were interesting. Uh, I was able to weave in the Holy Spirit. And I remember when I, you know, and then 20 years ago, I never quite had a good grasp of the Holy Spirit. Well, now I do. I know. As you pulled them all together and have your, kind of your red thread throughout those stories, have you, what, what kind of feedback have you gotten from those who are reading it and and catching a glimpse of, you know, the bigger picture. Yeah, it's been uh, very fascinating. I, I've gotten, uh, I, most likely, though, a lot of the comments that I've gotten have been more from friends as opposed to, you know, people off the streets, so to speak. Uh, although I have gotten a couple of those. And uh, one of the questions is, is who is this guy that just magically appears? The Holy Spirit. And, uh, but I don't want to tell them that. I want right. them to figure it out on their own. And uh, and so, as a matter of fact, I've got to talk with this gentleman. He introduced himself. He says, I couldn't figure out who that guy was. And and, you know, and he's a Christian and I, I and I didn't want to give it away, but I ended up giving it away. So what do you hope when the reader closes the book for the last time they've read the entire thing? What do you want them to walk away with? Well, first of all we were not there to see Jesus as much as I'd like to have been there and, and, and actually walked, you know, with him and heard the sermon on the Mount and, you know, and seen the, you know, and him create the bread and the whatever to feed the 5,000. That's not going to happen. But one of the things that I think that, uh, and it's really one of the, the verses that I actually put at the end is from John 20, which is, uh, this is with doubting Thomas. And then Jesus told that doubting Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed, but blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. And that's kind of the, the, the real verse that I try and put in throughout the, you know, as a theme throughout the, the book as well as blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Cause that's me, that's you, that's right. everybody that's alive today. We have not seen and yet we believe. And then potentially how can this book, as I mentioned, how can this book potentially help somebody else who has not seen and yet learned to believe and bring him to belief? Mm, love it. We got some people engaging right now, hearing about this, want to pick up a copy or connect with you even on social media or online. What is the best place for them to find you? Well, certainly, uh, I've got a website, GuyPowell.com, and there you'll find links to or my Facebook, my uh, my YouTube, my Instagram, you name it. I'm all over the place. The uh, And then, of course, you can purchase it on Amazon, or you can purchase it in store, or you can purchase it uh, off the uh, Redemption Press site, wherever you'd like to. And then one of the things I'd like to also provide readers is not only to read the book, but if you're interested in the Shroud and some of the science and some of the history of the Shroud, I've been doing podcasts interviewing experts that have really studied the Shroud, the history of the Shroud, the science of it. And there on my YouTube site, which is YouTube at Shroud of Turin, on my YouTube site, then you can see some really, I think, very interesting interviews. And Awesome. If they go to your website, they can get to your YouTube channel. 
that yes. has all the interviews with the shroud experts perfect perfect well my friend thank you so much for being with us today it has been a delight to hear more of the backstory and the backstory of your life and uh, we just appreciate you so much and for those who are tuned in right now don't go away 